Welcome to the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, where it's all about slashing your debt, slashing your taxes, and creating a liberated lifestyle. And now, your host, who met his wife while training for the 400 meters in Seattle and is eating gluten-free whilst lusting after bread, Dave Denniston. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping doctors like you slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a livid lifestyle. Well, back here with another episode to talk about taxes, our favorite thing ever, right? I want to know, doctor, did you catch the recent Medscape report about physicians and taxes? There's some really good stuff in it. The title of their report is Do Doctors Pay Too Much in Taxes? So here's the question. Do you think you pay too much in taxes? We know that taxes matter. We know taxes probably represent our biggest lifetime expense. And we know that if you don't control your money, if you don't control your taxes. And so... Often in this podcast, we talk a lot about proactively managing taxes. And my question to you as we take a look at this report is what are you doing to proactively manage your taxes today and to retirement? We know tax planning can and should be a critical component of any wealth creation plan. So with that in mind, let's talk about what physicians said about taxes. Now, this is actually Medscape's first report on doctors and their tax responsibilities. And they surveyed more than 1,500 practicing doctors. This report talked about a broad range of questions like how much tax that they paid, how they feel about their tax bill, and some strategies that they used to help reduce them. So some good stuff in here. First thing that they cover is how much did you pay in federal income taxes in 2021? All physicians on average, right? There's a whole range of of salaries and and income with physicians. The average was $76,000, which puts physicians within the top 10% of all U.S. taxpayers. So $75,406 is the average in the top 10. So congratulations, my friends. If this is you, you made it to the top 10 of uh, everyone that pays taxes. Now, what was interesting when they broke down the study is many doctors, particularly those that were in their late 30s, have even higher income or older. So if you're in your late 30s and 40s, often you know a lot of the physicians will do locums work. They'll have real estate investments. They'll have other sources that help to increase their income and might even be able to help sometimes with tax strategies around those things. State income taxes. Let's talk about this real quick. So this is interesting. So if you look at state income taxes, there are several states that don't have any. Off the top of my head, Washington State, Florida, Texas, I believe Wyoming doesn't have a state income tax. I know those other three for sure. So there's a total of seven, seven states that do not have state income taxes. So I got, I got most of them there. If you are like me and uh, you live in a state like Minnesota that is 43 out of the other 50, then you pay some. 
And again, every state is different. In, in, for example, Arizona, the state income tax is pretty low. Here in Minnesota, we're like in the top five of state income taxes, which I can tell you uh, I had to pay personally probably about $40,000 uh, myself in state income taxes this year. For the average physician, the average is about $13,000. And that's all state and local taxes, um, um, not including, I think, property taxes. So definitely that hurts, right? That hurts a lot of us. Um, and you might be able to deduct some of that, but the way the system is designed today, right this minute, is you cannot deduct all of it. There's a cap of $10,000 between property taxes and income tax is the most that you can use in your itemized deduction. Now, physicians, you know, where do they end up on a marginal tax rate? First, let's talk about what is a marginal tax rate. This is the highest tax bracket that you're in. So for example, in 2021, I have the data right here in front of me. If you're married filing jointly, for example, the highest income bracket is 37%. So that's if you're making over $628,000, then you're falling into uh, that bracket. The average physician, apparently, when they added up the numbers, at least that took the survey, were between 418 to 628, which is the 35% bracket. So the second highest one. Now, that's not what you pay overall. Your effective rate being what are you actually paying on all of your taxes. Remember, this is a graduated system. After your, your standard deduction or your itemized deduction, zero to $20,000, you're paying 10% federally, $20,000 to $81,000, 12%, and then they start going up. So that first $80,000 of your income after your itemized or standard deduction, you're paying very, very low income tax rates. Whereas on the top end, if you're making good money, like apparently the average physician and someone like myself is making, then you're paying a marginal bracket, perhaps 32% or 35% or 37%. So... Uh, be, be attention to that um, because depending upon your situation, the capital gains tax gets changed too. So for example, if your income falls below $80,000, you pay 0% long-term capital gains. If your income is between, if you're married filing jointly, about $81,000 all the way up to uh, $500,000, you're paying a 15% long-term capital gain. So long-term, this is all long-term I'm talking about, meaning that you've held something longer than a year. All right, remember we we're just talking about the marginal brackets of 32%, 35%, 37%. The capital gain brackets for long-term are different. And then if you are over 501,000, then you're taxed at a 20% capital gain. All right, so I hope that's making sense to you. Keep that in mind. You know, if you end up falling, you have a year where you have less income, like a joint income, right? You want to reduce your taxes. Great time to sell on positions with gains because you're paying zero, zero percent capital gain if your income's under 81,000 bucks. They asked a question about AMT, the alternative minimum tax. Do you pay it? 
about 13% said yes, 58% said no, 29% said I have no clue. And so um, in this study, the vast majority of physicians are not subject to AMT. Now here's, here's the big question. Doctor, do you pay too much in taxes? 75% of us said yes you pay too much. And I think pretty much all Americans could agree, right? We all feel like we pay too much in taxes, unless you're not paying much. And definitely that's more than the average. The average American, 50% think that they pay too much. So are, are you paying your fair share? Most of us would say we're paying too much of our fair share. A little less would be nice. I thought, I thought um, this next section of the Medscape report was fascinating. It asked doctors, how would you change the U.S. tax system? If you don't like it, what would you do about it? Uh, one doctor said, drop the corporate tax rate to nearly nothing to stimulate the economy. Another doctor said, I don't believe that student loan debt should be canceled, but I do believe that we should be able to deduct our loan payments from taxes until they're paid off. Another doctor said, I would love for this system not to be our personal responsibility. Why should it be my duty to pay someone every year to do my taxes? Basically saying they don't, they don't want to have a CPA, right, to do it. Next section talks about how many doctors do their own taxes. About 50%, 48% of doctors say that they, they do their own. So a lot of you are doing your own taxes. I personally do my personal taxes, but then I have someone else do my corporate stuff. This because there is only so much time. Favorite program? By far, by far, TurboTax. Uh, about 30, 39%, so about 40% are using TurboTax, followed by about 15% H&R Block. So those are our top two, which in distant, 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 being Tax Act, Jackson Hewitt Pro, Cash App Taxes, 1040.com, and Tax Slayer. So if you're like me using TurboTax, we're, we're in that top part of doctors there that use that system. And now for a commercial break. Have you been wondering? What I'm so tired of working. What would it take to retire? Maybe you've been thinking about, gosh, I wanna have a plan for getting out of medicine, but I'm not sure of the right way to do that. What are the steps that I need to take? Well, that is why I put together this ebook, which is The Roadmap to Retire by 45. It lays out literally step-by-step step what you need to do, how to go through it, how to calculate it, uh, I think this is a fantastic ebook that will probably take you 15, 20 minutes to read through, but really lays it out step by step. If you want the ebook, e just text ROAD to retire. That's R O A D T O R E T I R E to 833 343 2986. Again, text ROAD T O retire road to retire to this number 833-343-2986 it'll be 20 minutes that will really change your life and now back to the show 
I think this is a good benchmark for everyone to be aware of. How much did physicians pay their tax preparer? The average preparer paid about 900, I mean, the average physician paid about 924 bucks, so about $1,000. So if you, and I assume this is for your personal returns, not corporate, I would assume that this is a good benchmark for you to look at, you know, how much are you paying someone to do your taxes? If you're paying someone a couple grand, they sure as heck better be coming up with all kinds of amazing deductions and tax reduction strategies for you when the average is like less than $1,000. If you think about this, the average preparer for the average tax return is about $323. So the average is about $323. So the physicians in general pay three times, those that have a prepare do their return, three times more than the average. So just be thinking about how much are you paying your tax preparer for that 50% of you that do have one. And um, let's talk about tax breaks. Tax breaks that physicians say that they're using the most. Contributing to a pre-tax 401k account. 60%, that seems awfully, awfully low to me. Only 60% of physicians say that contributing to a pre-tax 401k is the break that they use most often. So gosh, um, if, if you are listening to this and you are not contributing to your pre-tax 401k, I would ask you a question is, are you doing the Roth 401k? Instead, because they didn't ask that in, in this particular question, if you aren't doing the Roth, are you not contributing to a 401k at all? If not, I would love to know why. Why are you not doing that if you are, are currently employed? So if, if you have an answer to that, I would love to hear that from you. Um, the second most common tax break, contributing to a charity. I've talked from time to time about contributing to charities and, and some of the the work that we do on that. And we've talked from time to time about setting up your own foundation. And depending upon your situation, some of these things may be appropriate. So 54% um, of doctors do it. If you are not doing it, why? Why are you not doing it? Would love to hear from you on that. Number three, paying interest on a home mortgage, 46%. So I can imagine, you know, you talk to all these different different people and different slices of different kinds of doctors, and I can imagine some are probably renting, some might have paid off their mortgage, so um, that doesn't surprise me too badly. Number five, I'm going to skip over one here, contributing to a 529 college savings plan. 25% of doctors said that they are doing that as a tax break. Now, what's fascinating about this is that my experience is the vast majority of states don't offer a tax break for a 529 college savings plan. If they do, then you definitely don't get any federal write-off. You might get a state income write-off. So you get some savings, but this, this one kind of confuses me. Maybe people saw that and they thought that hey, I'm contributing to the 529 plan, I'm getting a tax break. My experience is the there is no federal tax break, for one. And number two, very few states actually have that incentive. So I'm surprised that's that high. Um, number six, 
contributing to a backdoor Roth IRA account. Backdoor Roths. Um, we've talked about it. We've talked about the super backdoor Roth. Uh, 21%. So one out of every five physicians are doing it. If you are the four out of the five people, the majority of people that say that they are not contributing to a backdoor Roth. I'd be curious to know from you, why are you not doing a backdoor Roth? What's holding you back on doing that? Certainly understand you're a fellow or a resident. Hey, it may not even be necessary. Maybe you're in primary care and you can do a front door Roth rather than a back door. I could understand that, but I would guess the majority of physicians, let's say 60 to 70 percent, are probably in that area where they should be contributing to a backdoor Roth. So that's that's interesting to note. Uh, number seven on this list, always a good strategy, selling investments at a loss. We call this tax loss harvesting. A year like this year, maybe you have some positions in a non-qualified account, a non-retirement account that you could sell at a loss. Wonderful time to do that. Then you could buy something else. You can't buy the same exact thing back within 30 days. There's a wash rule on that. So great tax strategy to have. And the very bottom of the list, one that we have talked plenty about in this podcast, contributing to a cash balance pension plan, 11%. So one more than one out of every 10 doctors is doing that. That's fantastic. What a great strategy that is. Next section, have you ever been audited? 82% uh, no, 18% yes. So about a little less than one out of every five physicians has experienced an audit. I'll tell you, I never have been. Um, if you have been audited, I would be curious to talk to you. And, and if you'd be willing to come onto the podcast, I would be fascinated to hear um, what, what was that like for you? What, what should other physicians be aware of? And what was that like? And how, what were the results of that audit? So if you're willing to come on this podcast to talk about it, I would love to have you on. Next question, did the auditors treat you fairly? 72% said yes. So seemed, that seemed to be a, a good thing overall for most physicians. And then we started prognosticating into the future with this. What doctors think Congress will do to their tax bracket? 61% said increase tax income, income tax rates. 57% said capital gain taxes being increased. 44% increasing estate taxes. 21% taxes staying the same. And 2%, two out of 100, said, I believe taxes will decrease. And I think what they're missing here is what about FICA taxes, social security taxes in particular? If you listen back to uh, older episodes, I believe it was this season I did it, might have been last year, I think it was this season, that we did episodes on Social Security, that um, the Social Security tax, which is 6.2% employer, 6.2% employee, that currently there's no cap, um, or there is a cap on that, which um, rises, I imagine this year with an increase in COLA for people that are getting the social security benefit, we're probably going to see that that um, cap be hiked by five to 10% would not be surprising, which I think would put it around 155,000 or something. But any wage that you're getting W2 bonus, stuff like that, there is a um, no social security taxes after that point. 
So that means if you're making $300,000 in W-2 wages, that you're only paying FICA taxes on about half of that. So to me, I would put that at number one as the most likely to, to increase. The income tax rates, interestingly enough, the with some of the Trump tax cuts in 2016, 2017, um, those are gonna sunset in 2025. So even if Congress does nothing, tax rates would end up moving up um, just by, by that having happened. So uh, I would agree with the majority of physicians just because of the sunsetting and they're going to have to figure out what to do with Social Security. Let's see. Um, I think the, the interesting thing about what were the demographics of physicians that they talked to? 62% male, 34% female, 28% was 60 to 69. So a lot of older docs. 22% 50 to 59 years old, about 20% 40 to 49, and about 20% 38 to 39, which the number three the number three specialties, the top three specialties were family medicine, internal medicine, pediatrics, and the number four emergency medicine. So those are about 40% of, of the specialties. So fascinating data, um, fascinating to hear what doctors are saying that they do for their taxes and how they think about taxes and audits and everything like that. I would just like to wrap up this episode by repeating what I said earlier. Taxes matter. Taxes represent your biggest lifetime expense, probably way more than your mortgage, way more than your property taxes, way more than uh, what you spend on your kids for college. These income taxes are your biggest lifetime expense. You don't have control of your money if you don't have control of your income taxes. So what are you doing to proactively manage your income taxes today and into retirement? If you would like to strategize together about your situation, what you can do to combat your taxes, your income taxes specifically, it would be my honor and my pleasure to spend some time with you. More than happy to give you 30 minutes for free as a way to thank you for all you do and for listening to this podcast. So if you're interested in that, please contact my assistant, Robbie, at assistant at daviddeniston.com. So I hope you found this fascinating. Would love to hear from you. Gather your thoughts. If if you're willing to come onto this podcast and talk about how you're thinking about taxes and if you've been audited and what you're doing to decrease your, your taxes and what you're not doing and why, would love to hear from you on that and have you as a guest on the podcast. For the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, this is Dave Deniston. Remember, my friends, remember to slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle. Well, thank you, my friends, so much for listening to the last podcast. I am pleased to announce that I am now a completely independent 
financial advisor, where to the point now I can really integrate my financial planning practice with this podcast. If you might be looking for help, if you have found any of our information here interesting or relevant and you're looking for a second opinion, I'm making myself available for 30-minute strategy sessions. And if you want to arrange a time to meet with me to discuss your situation and see if we might be a good fit for one another, I'd like you to call our office and speak with Kyla. Our phone number is 612-284-2409. Again, that's 612-284-2409. And I look forward to helping you with your financial situation. And now for some lovely legal disclosures required by our lawyer friends. Investment advice is only offered in jurisdictions where Centurion Financial Strategies, LLC, Centurion is appropriately registered or exempt from registration. Our Form ADV Part 2 brochure can be obtained free of charge at advisorinfo.sec.gov by searching for our firm name or its unique CRD number, which is 316-454. This podcast is not a solicitation to provide advisory services in any jurisdiction in which we're not appropriately registered or excluded. The information, statements, and opinions contained in this podcast have been obtained from or are based on information obtained from sources which we believe to be reliable, but we do not warrant or guarantee the timeliness or accuracy of such information. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as personalized investment, tax, or legal advice. Opinions expressed by any guest are their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the firm's views. You should carefully consider your own financial circumstances and needs prior to making any investment in securities or purchasing any insurance products. As always, past performance is not indicative of future results. Investing in securities or really anything else involves the risk of loss. If by some chance in this particular podcast I mention insurance products, insurance products are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of an additional insurance company. They may be subject to restrictions, limitations, and early withdrawal fees, which vary by issue. You should always consider the charges, risks, expenses, and investment objective of any insurance products before entering a contract. And that, my friends, wraps it up. Wish you all the best. Feel free to contact us with any info at www.daviddeniston.com. Thank you so much and have a good one. Bye-bye.